This episode is brought to you by the O2, the official recovery drink of the Noble CrossFit Games. For more information, you can use the QR code or you can click the link in the show notes below. Welcome back to the best hour of their day podcast. And we have a fan favorite for you today, Mr. Aerobic Capacity himself, Chris Hinshaw. And this interview is so phenomenal that we've actually made it two parts. So you're going to get part one right now. And then at the conclusion of part one, this coming Friday, We've got dropping in with Chris Hinshaw. And I'm going to tell you this. If you listen to both parts of the podcast, and if you watch both dropping in episodes featuring Chris Hinshaw, you're going to become a better coach. You're going to learn so much about aerobic capacity that truthfully, you don't even need to go to his seminar. But let me tell you this. Go to his seminar. Support this man because he's a wealth of knowledge. You'll hear it in the podcast. You'll see it in the dropping in episodes that he teaches us, even me. Even me, you know me, a level four CrossFit coach. He teaches me so much. And I'm going to tell you, spoiler alert, he has Fern and I race. And although Fern is a division one athlete, you're going to want to watch this race because you're going to be surprised at the outcome. And let me give Katie a little bit of a shout out here because she's been glowing, glowing, dare I say, arrogant ever since we met with Chris Hinshaw because he had very nice things to say about Miss Katie Springstein. So you're going to want to watch it. Now, let me also give you this. If you're an affiliate owner and you've not already heard the news, get out from under that rock you live in, because if you sign up for affiliate, you, this is the last week. It's the CrossFit games coming. Fern, Katie, Marcus, Nate, the team, we're in Madison as you're watching this, listening to this. But if you sign up for affiliate, you this week, you're going to get a free level one or level two seminar. What? Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? If you sign up for affiliate you, so you're going to book a call. The link's in the notes below. If you sign up, we're giving, you're getting, you'll receive a free level one or level two. Now, maybe you've got your level one and you want to move on to the next credential level two. Maybe you've got an athlete at your box that you're looking to groom into another coach, give them your level one. You can use it. You can give it to a coach. You can give it to a member. It doesn't matter, but you're going to get that along with, of course, the best coaching for affiliates out there. Affiliate you brought to you by best hour of their day. So the links below hit that book a call, see if we're a good fit for you. See if you're a good fit for us. And again, if you sign up, you're going to get a free level one or level two, by the way, I appreciate, I appreciate this about all of you. We're getting that feedback in the comments on YouTube. I love it. Thank you so much. If you're listening to this on Apple, on Spotify, on Stitcher, et cetera, thank you. But head over to our YouTube channel, like, subscribe, follow, leave us some feedback. Great episode today. Chris Hinshaw is on here. You're going to learn so much. We're excited to bring it to you. And we've got some great content coming. Like I said, we're at the CrossFit Games right now, filming content doing some interviews, meeting with affiliates. Of course, Fern and I judging, look for us out on the competition floor. But for right now, sit back, relax, listen to the best hour crew and the legend himself, Mr. Chris Hinshaw. Welcome to the best hour of their day podcast with your hosts, Jason Fernandez. And me, Jason Ackerman. 
With more than 20 years in the business, as both coaches and affiliate owners, our passion is to help create world-class affiliates and coaches by building better boxes. Welcome to the best hour of your day. Wow. Do we have a special guest for you today? Aerobic capacity legend. Are you a legend at this point in your life? That's true, right? I don't know. You told me to specifically refer to you as a legend. He asked that when we introduced we him. Before we hit record, he said, please, I would like, whatever you do, just say legend I would in there. Legend Henshaw. <laughs> that I don't think has happened. I was told, though, that in order to become an expert in something, an expert has to call you an expert. Has that happened? I'm going to call you an yeah. expert right yeah. now. They're, they were you're done. official. Yeah. We're not entirely sure what we're experts at, but we're going to call you the expert. It's like being knighted. Too. It's like you're being knighted here on the show. Oh, man, stop. <laughs> no, not good talking about those things. We are. We are very good at bragging about ourselves Jay's as well as it. others. Jay's good at, yeah, Jay's, it's his, it's his superpower. Humble brag. <laughs> you know, but perfect time to have you back on. First of all, we're here at Crossword Mayhem. Perhaps the biggest, best, it's a It's a, it's well a CrossFit affiliate owner's playground and a CrossFit athlete's playground. With, so. Without a doubt, it's yeah. the most iconic gym in the world. That, I would give you that. I, yeah. yeah. And everyone here looks like they're going to the CrossFit Games. <laughs> yeah, there's no shortage of fitness just roaming around here Every randomly. Day, you know, we, we interviewed a box that had 288 out of 300 of their members sign up for the Open. Mm-hmm. Mayhem has had 288 of their members qualify for the CrossFit Games. <laughs> That's what it feels like looking around. I'm like, that girl's fitter than me. That girl's stronger than me. But aerobic capacity course back as a specialties course. Yeah, SME, one of the first three back. Yeah. What was that journey like for you? I mean, the whole journey has been really interesting. I mean, I think back on back in the day, uh, you know, Back in 2012 and 13 and working with Jason Kalipa and Garrett Fisher and Neil Maddox, um, those early years. And the things that I had them do were really controversial. They were were not well received. Um, One of the things that I I, I always will tell, you know, Jason and Garrett and Neil is, is, you know, thank you for, for defending me, like to stick up for me. Because... You know, I mean, to think about <laughs> those three guys run 20 miles three weeks before the CrossFit Games. They ran in 2013 in one belt. Mm-hmm. Hey so guys, your workout today is a hey 20 guys, mile. Uh, we're gonna. Yeah, I did it. So one day on one day, uh, it was on a Saturday. Uh, I ran the whole thing with Garrett and Neil, and then backwards. Jay, you were Jay's, running backwards. No, so, running forwards. no. So I had to do it two days in a row because Jay couldn't make it that day. He had a family commitment, and so I had to go back the next morning and run it with Jay. Um, and but that was very controversial to take a 225-pound guy and put him out there in the Santa Cruz Mountains for you know. What was your purpose? How did you defend that action? Because what I was trying to do was was to demonstrate that You're- they. This is how legends roll. This, this yeah, is how legends like, roll. Listen, uh, <laughs> coffee. Double espresso. <laughs> Mark, Marcus is the man. I love it. No, so you have to realize that if you take a Jason Kalipa, he admittedly would get dead last in every endurance event at the CrossFit Games. So here he wins the Games in 2008. And, you know, every year after, he, he gets dead last in long-time domain workouts. Well, he knows that. And so how do you change that mindset by having him do something that's seemingly impossible, not just by him, but by the world, by the entire community. And that's what you're really trying to do is you're trying to do things that have a, a, a 
physiological purpose, obviously, but you're also trying to build confidence in an athlete. And I didn't want that sitting in the back of his mind of, you know, I, you know, back in 2009, I did a 7K run and fell asleep before finishing. You don't want him thinking about that. What, what's the significance of 20 miles? In other words... Was that more psychological or were you, is there right. some sort of training adaptation hey, you were looking for? Hey, there? coach, I get that. Could five miles <laughs> work for this? Like, I'll be pretty confident after four. So what's interesting is that you think we announced uh, several years after that a marathon row, 26.2 yep. miles, and the athletes freaked out by that. Is it a 26.2 when you're on the road or just in meters? Well, it was 40, 40, 42,000 yeah, 42, meters. Yeah, direct conversion. Okay. Yeah. So you, you realize right away that those, the games athletes were freaking out by it because they felt like that was something seemingly impossible to sit on. And, and it's not like it's difficult. You know, you're, you just have to sit there for three hours. But because they don't train for three hours continuously, it's a monumental thing. Well... What I wanted to do with Jay was I wanted him to recognize that he wasn't doing running that was within the CrossFit community. He was doing run-based training that was in the running community. And so, you know, I, I, a lot of initial heat that I got was the people that I knew in the endurance world, like what a sellout, like he's just doing, you know, remember CrossFit Endurance where it was short time domains, yeah. very high intensity. Right. And I didn't follow that approach. It didn't make any sense to me. And the triathlon community, the endurance community couldn't connect with CrossFit Endurance either. Like it, 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 it was contrary to, to their proven methodologies. So they, they looked at me, that community, it was like, wow, what a sellout. Well, I wasn't selling out. I was just needed a little bit of time to take athletes to this level. Well, I gave Jason and Garrett and Neil marathon training workouts and the endurance community recognized it. If you want to run a marathon and you want to be competitive in a marathon, you must build up to a 20 mile run three mm -hmm. weeks prior to your event. Mm -hmm. And then you begin your taper. So there was a reason for it. I wanted him to know that he actually is prepared to run 26.2 miles. Right. Versus what we saw in the marathon road, there wasn't a single athlete there that didn't hit the panic button when they announced it because they weren't prepared for that kind of volume. The other thing that Jay did was a workout called Yasso's 800, which is... Is it the 10? 10 by 800 with a work to rest of one to one. So if you do them in three minutes, it's awful. you take three minutes of recovery. And the, the Yasso's 800, what it is, is that you take your average 800 meter time you add five seconds to it, and that's roughly your marathon time if you switch it from minutes and seconds to uh, minutes, I mean, hours and minutes. So five, f five seconds on every 800 over the 26. Yeah, so Jay okay. averaged 257, and so if you add five minutes. Which is crazy, by the way. It's for incredible. A man, for a man that large. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. And that means that he um, should, in theory, be able to, to do somewhere around 302 for a marathon, three hours and two minutes. That's not slow. No, Sorry. and you cannot argue that he wasn't prepared. So yeah. that's what he needed to realize. It wasn't just my words. Right. The fact is, is that you did it and you dominated. Right. And so when he sits and he is about to go into the 2013 CrossFit Games, all three of them, they could sit back and they don't need me to say how great they are, that you're ready. The fact is, is you look back on your work and right. you know you're ready. Back to the kind of the, so CrossFit endurance and correct me if I'm wrong here, please. The, but the, the kind of shift in mindset was like, Hey, we don't need to put on these miles. It's like, 
run shorter distances, more intervals, run them faster. And then your, your stance on that was not a complete departure from that. Cause I mean, I've, I've seen and done a lot, quite a bit of your programs, mm-hmm. but you were not throwing out the longer time demands. You're like, Hey, you, you still need to do those. Like th- those are not, not important. Is it, am I, am you I paraphrasing correct. that correct? Okay. It, they were, they were really settling in on half of, of what you should be targeting. Okay. So they were really developing and focusing on fast twitch muscle fiber development. They were focused on glycolytic energy systems, phosphagen energy systems. So short time domains, very high intensity, very little volume, no easy running or, or any cardio, mm-hmm. nothing easy. And that never made any sense to me because, you know, one of the major measures of aerobic fitness is how well can you recover? How mm-hmm. fast can you clear fatigue and be ready to go back in? And what was happening in the sport was there was nobody raising their hand willing to go back in because mm-hmm. they were smoked. Right. Their recovery was limiting their overall ability. And what I recognized was that if you look at an individual, an athlete, like for example, here we are at Mayhem. You know, when I got together with Rich the very first time, I looked at his body, his structure, and the first thing that you have to recognize is that you probably, the average athlete's got a blend of 50-50 fast twitch and slow twitch fibers. Well, if he is only doing fast twitch running, then he is a fast twitch developed runner. Well, if he's got a 50-50 blend of fast twitch and slow twitch, then are his legs leaving 50% of his available capacity passive? meaning it's not available to him. Mm-hmm. And the answer was yes, because those slow twitch fibers, in order to overload them, they need volume, they need time. And if he's not putting in the time, then there's no adaptation. Right. So that was the easiest person that I've ever actually had to work with in the sense that all I did is I slowed him down. Right. I slowed him down and I built out and developed those 50% of passive muscle fibers in the legs. And now when he does anything standing, supporting mm-hmm. his structure, those fibers are now available to him. Got They're it. active. So I, I do want to, I, I want to, like, like, sorry, it's almost yeah, like ahead. DNA and RNA, right? Like you're, you're getting this DNA because isn't that what the, uh, like 10th grade bio, like RNA is what you see and how you use it. So it's like your genetics are fine, but you're not actually turning those on. Yeah. And you're, you're just showing him. Here's you, how we turn that on. Every athlete should be taking inventory of, their, their muscle groups and what are they leaving behind? Well, that's where I kind of where I wanted to go with that, because this is where I think there's just a total lack of understanding, right? Just pure ignorant bliss with regard to the CrossFit community in general. Typically the farthest you'll run is, I don't know, a mile. When you do Murph, you sprinkle in some 400s at 800s in there. Maybe a 5k every so <laughs> Yeah, often. right. Which nobody shows up to. Um, <laughs> you want true. a rest day as a coach program, the 5k. Right. Yep. So, we're, so when somebody's trying to figure this out, because the, I think people have a pretty good grasp of programming for GPP, but when you're just trying to layer on training for endurance, whether it be running, rowing, and I, I have questions about that too, how do they start to, to figure out like what should that training look like for me specifically? So you have to create balance in your overall training package. You cannot just do high intensity interval work. You have to recognize that there are multiple energy systems and there's multiple muscle fiber groups. If you focus on one area, then you are essentially becoming a specialist. And that is not the sport of CrossFit. 
we do multiple time domains. So, I mean, here's a good way of thinking about it. If you run a mile, Mm -hmm. where is your energy coming from? If you're running a mile, let's say it's a six-minute maximal effort. That's, Where is the energy coming from? Time, so it's perfect. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so I doubt it. Chase, so, so let's talk about you and your mile. So you run a mile in six minutes. What you want to think about is where is the energy coming from to do that mile? Well, when you when you do this, you're somewhere around in that ten to fifteen percent of your energy is coming from that glycolytic pathway, anaerobic, without oxygen. The remaining energy. So let's call it 85, 88% of your energy to do that mile is coming from your aerobic system. It's coming from your slow twitch muscle fibers. It's coming from longer time domain muscle fiber and energy system development. Well, if you've never done long time domain, easier pace work, then you don't have those muscle fibers available to you. What is the minimum effective dose for that? Because, you know... Look, I love training CrossFit. I want to be the best I can be at CrossFit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, not all of us have the luxury of the Rich Fronings out there, the Jason Kalipas, to spend 20 miles the time it takes. Right, but that, we're talking about they're the, the exceptions. Right, so they're the edge so of the, edge we, of the so spectrum. The, yeah. the layman CrossFitter, the person that shows up every mm-hmm. day that wants – because you, what you're saying is like speaking directly to me because I never do that. Well, So let's talk about you. Keep, I like talking about you. So, so do that's I. weird. So Jay does too, actually. Right. Jay loves talking episode. about Jay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, find you, find you a man that loves you like Jay Ackerman loves Jay Ackerman. Right. And you're going to be true good. narcissist. Yeah. All right. So what do you do after your Metcon? Lay on the ground for a little while. <laughs> right. Have a snack shortly after. Go home. So what I'm saying is that you should be taking advantage of the like, situation your body is in after that Metcon and focus on your recovery, focus on easier intensities. So you did this incredible thing in a Metcon by, by building up and accumulating lactic acid, right? The lactate and the acidity. And the reason why it's gotten so difficult is because that acidity continues to build and build and build and build until the very end of that workout. And then you finish and you peak in terms of that accumulation of lactate. And then you lay on the ground. Why don't you finish the backside of that bell-shaped curve? Laziness, really, if I had to say one thing. But, but we're calling it recovery. So why don't you focus on a major weakness in athletes that are doing CrossFit is that they're unable to recover. They're insufficiently adapted in terms of their slow-twitch aerobic fibers. So why not, instead of laying on the ground, spend five minutes and work the opposite side of the equation. You put your body into a perfect position and now you waste it by just laying on the floor. And what we're talking about really at the end of it all is getting more work done in the same amount of time. So, okay, this is beautiful. So in the context, let's just say we were in a class. Let's use yesterday's workout. We did a workout yeah, great. at Henderson yeah, yesterday's work. So we did a, we did a heavy, like a heavy clean, 10, 15 minutes of warm up to that. And then we did two rounds, uh, 15 clean and jerk, and then 30 burpees over the bar on average, probably eight, 10 minutes. Right. I think Perfect. we were, I think we were under nine minutes. For that. I was seven fifty three. Right. Right. Really want a so, specific time. I mean, that's an incredible time domain for accumulation. No, it's definitely not an incredible time for accumulation of fatigue of accumulation. Eight, minutes, of, eight to 12 minutes is the magic of CrossFit, right? Well, I mean, a nine. So, yeah, there's some hard and fast rules in the time domains. I mean, there's a reason why 
in track and field, the 3000, which takes somewhere around nine minutes for elites, is the first endurance distance um, in track and field. That's the first distance considered endurance. Right, in nine and minutes. Field. And it's because after that nine minute time domain, you can't just rely on your VO2 max, your aerobic capacity. After that, you need to start thinking about what's my maximum sustainable mm -hmm. pace, your lactate threshold. This your, is funny, like your Pat ability Sherwood, to clear fatigue. Pat Sherwood used to have this joke. He would say, "Hey, if you look around the gym at, at the seven minute mark, right? If you three, two, one, go seven minutes." He was like, "Not a soul will be moving. Like everybody will have hit that threshold, and they'll have to stop and take a break." And I and I regularly still look at that. I just glance around, and look at seven minute mark. I'm like, "Nope, everybody is it is like in the midst of making a transition or taking a break." But that's where that six to nine minutes. It's an important time domain. So CrossFit. And I, I'm not losing track. I'm no, no, you're good. All right, I'll keep, I'll keep <laughs> you on track. I'll keep you on track. No, we'll go back to you. He was never, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to come back to you. I'm the North Star. But six to nine minutes is an important time domain. And I mean, CrossFit, it's constantly very functional movement, high intensity. How are you defining high intensity? What's the physiological adaptation by doing high intensity? How do you even define high intensity? And that's an important thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I can well, give you the level one definition. I would love to hear your definition of that. We, we define intensity as the... High intensity. Well, I would say... Like what's in the... What's, sure. Yeah. We, yeah, I guess that's so where there, it's different. Yeah, so there, yeah, there probably is no definition is, for, high, for specifically high intensity. Right, so it's one of the three things. So what it is, is high intensity, the adaptation, is it improves your aerobic capacity, your ability to bring in and utilize oxygen. So it's your VO2 max. And VO2 max time domain to maximize it is somewhere in that intensity between six and nine minutes, meaning okay. an elite individual can really function up to about nine minutes using VO2 max, their aerobic capacity. A, a recreational is closer to six minutes. So in that six to eight, nine minute time domain, that is really high intensity training. And the physiological purpose of it is to improve your ability to move and utilize oxygen. After nine minutes, now it changes. And now what we're talking about is the importance of lactate threshold, your balance between creating fatigue and clearing fatigue. Okay. The relationship between that, your maximum sustainable pace. Like if you think about it, a 5K. A 5K is really focused on that maximum sustainable pace. You cannot go above that maximum sustainable pace until you get within roughly two minutes of the finish line, you could take a risk, go above that, into that death zone intensity, and then if you time it just right, you blow up through the accumulation of that acidity just as you reach the finish line. Got it. So that six to nine minutes is, is a really important time domain from a physiological standpoint. Okay. So going back to our question, we hit an eight-minute workout yesterday. Yep. Rather than laying on the ground, do what? So your movements were clean and a burpee. Yep. Correct. So you have two choices. Because it was so long, that accumulation of acidity is now throughout your entire body, right? It, it, it will initially target the muscles that are using. So the muscles that are helping you in the clean. And what will happen is, is that inside those muscles that are moving, the muscles that are used in the clean... What will happen is, is those fast twitch fibers, because of the speed, the force that you're, you're generating in that clean, those fast twitch fibers are going to be in, um, used. And as a byproduct of using them, you're going to be creating lactic acid. Now, it's important that you understand you have the lactate and the acidity. When you create it, 
they come together. We measure the lactate, but we know that every time we see lactate um, either reducing in, in amounts or increasing, we know the acidity follows in parallel. Mm-hmm. What happens is, is those muscles that are now moving in that clean accumulate this acidity. Now, in that same motor unit, we have slow twitch fibers. The slow twitch fibers do the exact opposite. The fast twitch fibers just created this lactic acid. Well, the slow twitch fibers seize that lactate and it's a fuel choice. That lactate actually can help those slow twitch fibers move. So while you're doing the cleans, the slow twitch fibers are going and they're being used, mm-hmm. right, to, to do this lift. They're seeing the lactate and they're grabbing that lactate to consume it as a fuel. And when they do consume it as a fuel, it takes the acidity and it removes it from the body. So remember, your slow twitch fibers take the lactate as a fuel. It grabs the acidity and it removes it from the body. That's how you recover and clear the acidity with your slow twitch aerobic fibers. What most people would classify as like flushing their right. body. Out. Yeah, but you, really, you do numerous uh, like kind of little exercises like this in your in your seminars. Of course. Yeah. Yep. So because what you're trying to do is give people not workouts, but a methodology. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to get them, like we're talking about here, what to do after a Metcon other than lay on the ground and why. So what happens then is that those muscles, the primary muscles that are lifting the clean, you're moving so quick that you, your fast twitch fibers will quickly overload the slow twitch fibers, meaning the slow twitch can't keep up with the rate that the acidity is coming in. Mm-hmm. So what does the body do with that acidity? it spills into the neighboring space between that major muscle group and the secondary muscle group. And that gets overloaded, goes into the neighboring muscle groups, that gets overloaded, and then it's called lactate shuttle. And when it hits that other muscle group, lactate shuttle, it takes it into the bloodstream, and now it covers your entire bloodstream. Yep. Why? It's just trying to find slow twitch fibers to take that lactate, consume it as a fuel, and remove the acidity so you can keep going. That's what your body is trying to do. So at the end of your workout, you could focus on the muscles that you were using in the workout, meaning let's target the major muscle groups and focus on the clearance of fatigue because that's the highest concentration Mm -hmm. of acidity. So you did cleans. Why can't you just mimic a clean, but change the intent and call it recovery? What I want you to do is move as slow as you want. Think of it as you just did cleans, a running sprint is your clean, Mm -hmm. and now your recovery is going to be a walk or a jog. I'm in a running sprint, and then I'm going to jog. I want you to do your clean with the weight for your workout, but then your recovery, I want you to do it nice and slow, jog recovery, but a clean with a PVC pipe. Lighter load. Lighter load. And slower. Slower. Have you thought about like putting this into a course and teaching it? Because this is really... (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you. I think I'm gonna write it I down. feel like the community can benefit. You know, if you well, send me this script, I'll write it. Down. <laughs> well, but I think this is important because uh, and A, the reason we're kind of like honing in on that specific instance is because trying to get coaches to utilize their class times better and to get more out of that sixty minutes. Yep. Not just from a coaching standpoint and education standpoint, but from a standpoint of long term outside of just that bout with intensity that they've just had in the workout, how am I setting this athletes up? for the next workout and the next workout after that so that they can recover faster. We can get, you know, more work done in the same amount of time. And this is where I think this is important is like, don't run your class all the way to 57. Make sure you're done on time so you can get this extra work in at the end, right. whether it's a PVC pipe work or getting on the bike or, uh, I don't know, a five minute jog or whatever, yep. the carryover from that. And so 
It's really important. And do you what's, a, what's the result of that long term? So like for their athletes, so that if a coach wants to communicate this, like, hey, why are we doing this? Why is this important? You have to recognize there's two primary categories of athletes. Mm-hmm. We, in the sport of CrossFit, we have the speed, strength, power type of an athlete, the fast twitch dominant athlete, the one mm-hmm. that's explosive and strong. And then we have the other side, which is the endurance athlete, the one that recovers well. They're good in long time domains. They're not explosive. They don't have great broad jumps. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at me. They're not <laughs> the strongest. <laughs> you like you've seen my bra. Well, you, I'm, I'm you th- look through me when you talk. <laughs> well, I'm thinking that we have all of this nice equipment oh, here. Oh yeah, we're I definitely gonna do a little triple jump action here. Yeah, today. I would love. To, I would Young love Katie. to coach coach you a little bit. And- And I want to hear this, but I, I, I think we bypassed one thing. Can we just go more specifically? That workout, eight minutes, how long are you then cleaning? That's a good question. So let's assume your heart rate is at your maximum at the end of that eight minutes. So you're at your max. So let's use, let's use me as an example. So my maximum heart rate is a heart rate of 175. My lactate threshold heart rate, and this isn't just in the movement of running, remember, your running numbers have nothing to do with your clean numbers. Mm-hmm. It's based upon the muscles that are being used, and you have to get a test to be precise about it. But based upon running, max heart rate of 175. So let's say I finish that workout and my heart rate's 175. The rule of thumb is if you want to maximize your recovery, you want to do nothing for roughly 90 seconds. It doesn't matter what the sport is, what the movement is. Roughly in about 90 seconds, the best way to, to recover is nothing, all right? Nothing. Now, is that standing? Is that seated? That's where personalization comes in. Right. I always tell people, you need to, you have a warm-up protocol? Do you have a recovery protocol? And what are you doing to maximize recovery based upon the amount of time you have? So if, let's say, an open workout has an interval, one minute of rest, and then an interval like we've seen before, mm-hmm. what are you doing in that one minute? And if you don't train it, then your body is, there's no adaptation there. I used to do this thing back in the day where I would go to the, at the games and I would, I would go to the athlete area and, you know, there'd be an event and athletes would come back and there was always like a fleet of assault bikes there. And I would go up to some athletes that I wasn't coaching. I'm all, hey man, so I see you're on this, the assault bike. And I'm all, can I ask you like, why, what are you doing? And he says, ah, oh, no, I just saw Rich doing it. And so I decided I'm going to do it. I'm like, you don't train it. And, and they're like, no, I just saw. And they don't realize that all it's doing is making them more tired because they don't train it. If you want to use the assault bike after an event, then use the assault bike after your training to help the body get used to what it's about to experience. That's what training is. And so, you know, when we, we talk about, where were we now? Well, we're, we're talking, talking about, about like how, long to, how, to, yeah, how long you should do this if you were, if, from, so, from a coaching oh yeah, so standpoint, nine, so, how would you do this? So 90 seconds is really the key. Now, of nothing. Of nothing. Got it. Finish an eight-minute workout, 90 seconds. But, right. So, But I'm not going to let you do this in this workout. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, look, get your composure, maybe take 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then what I want you to do is I want you either to focus on the movements that you just did, so slow active recovery burpees. Right, very slow with no jump or a clap. And what I want you to do is accumulate two minutes of those very slow. Your other option, you can do cleans, two minutes with the PVC pipe, as slow as you want, no stopping. After that, your heart rate has dropped below lactate threshold 
and it may even get very close to aerobic threshold. So my lactate threshold heart rate is a heart rate of around 165, and my aerobic threshold is around 130, 125 to 130. Okay. After about two minutes of doing that very slowly, my heart rate is going to be around 130. Below 130, this aerobic threshold number, I no longer am getting adequate circulation of the blood. And so what I have to do is step away from those lower intensity active recovery protocols and do something that can get my heart rate up closer to where I maximize the clearance of that lactic acid. And the fastest way to clear lactic acid is just below your lactate threshold. Unfortunately, after that workout, that intensity is impossible. So what we want is we want to hop on a cardio piece of equipment or go out for a light jog and keep our intensity between aerobic threshold and lactate threshold. For me, it would be floating between 130 and 165. 165 okay. And I know if I go closer to 165, I'm accelerating the removal of that acidity. Now, the truth is, is that you can lay on the ground and in an hour, all that lactic acid will be gone because your heart, your liver, your brain will consume it as well. But we want to teach the muscles how to consume it more efficiently and effectively. And the reason why is because then when you are doing any type of a workout, those motor units that have fast twitch and slow twitch in it, the slow twitch fibers are now more effective at the consumption of what is going to reduce your performance, mm -hmm. that lactic acid. And how long does that generally take? So you do an eight-minute workout? I would do two minutes on an active recovery, whether it's localized or... That short. Two minutes because your problem is, is your heart rate's going to drop. And now... Let's just say that you're doing deadlift. You could do anything after that workout. Let's just say you want to work on, you're not very good at a moderate load, um, high not. volume deadlift. Yeah, I bet you are. <laughs> he knows me. So you're going to take a PVC pipe and you're going to just practice and do your deadlift for two minutes. Right. Now, after two minutes, your heart rate has dropped below this aerobic threshold intensity. Bring it back up. Well, so you want to make sure that you have a higher concentration of, of lactic acid in the blood. Well, if you are efficient at pulling that lactate out of the bloodstream into those muscles that are being used in the deadlift, you will have a disproportionate amount of, of lactic acid in your legs versus your upper body. So you got to keep the blood circulating so that there's an even distribution. So what you would do is after around two minutes of doing those deadlifts, as your heart rate dropped, in my case, below 130, I'm going to have to do something that has a higher level of intensity so I keep the acidity circulating. And, and for that, that piece, for how long would you keep that acidity? Two to five minutes. Just, but so we're not talking. So the whole thing is like periods. five to seven. Right. Maybe. And yeah, yeah. Okay. the most you would ever have a games athlete do, it would be 20 minutes. In 20 minutes, virtually 100% of it would be gone. And I think the reason, and correct me if I'm wrong, people opt for the assault bike a lot is because it's so full body. Well, that's Never, why. Right. Regardless of what you've done. Remember, it's the muscles that are being used. And so the more muscles you are actively using in your recovery, the greater percentage of lactic acid can get consumed and removed. I'm committing to this. I'm being So what serious. you should I'm do, though, you really need to take ownership. So if I was running a class. He has a problem with that, by the way. I would take, I would write a Metcon and then you're going to need to help the class. You're going to write down four movements hey, on you, the board. These are your options after the workout, depending on. And you're going to accumulate your, two minutes and then you're going to go out and you're going to do a three minute jog. You're so you gonna do, do, yeah, you do a little shooter's choice. You'd be like, these are your four options. When yep. you're done with that at two minutes, you're going to jog out, do a 
400 meter jog, light jog, right. 300, and then come back in here. Okay. So ideally, I mean, you could pick the move muscle groups that were used in the workout, right? But because the acidity is now flooded throughout your entire body, you could pick any movement. Meaning, even if you did something that was just you know squatting, you could do a PVC strict shoulder press. Well, that's what I was, so yesterday was burpees and then the clean and jerks. It's a lot of pressing. It's pressing frontal plane, or sorry, pressing frontal plane, pressing and sagittal plane. So I would have just taken a PVC pipe and just done pressing for two minutes very slowly and then maybe hopped on the bike for two minutes after right. that. Okay. But to keep in mind, your purpose is now different, isn't it? Your purpose is I'm working on my recovery. Right. That's what I'm trying to do. So if your weakness is, meaning you just get tired in the movement of running, then go out and run for five minutes. And, right. and, and it's not about fast. It's about, I'm trying to clear fatigue. Right. Okay. And you the, change the intent. The benefit also is you will get better at these longer duration of course. workouts because of it. This is all covered in the aerobic, aerobic yeah. capacity let's, seminar? Let's do, it. let's do an example. So, oh, no. let's, so hold on. Well, I, I want to do this. I do want to get this example. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back to that. So I want everybody to hear this. What's up guys, Fern? One of the things we always talk about, one of the main purposes of owning an affiliate is impact. If we think about the hierarchy for a business, impact is at the top of that. If we build the businesses that we want, if we develop the coaches that we want, we build the team, we build the community, one of the things that we can have inside the walls of the rocks is impact in the broader community. And somebody who's crushing it in that is Trish. So tell me about your motto for your gym. Uh, so when we first opened, we made it one village, one community, because I wanted to be the CrossFit affiliate that wasn't just the CrossFit facility, but like we did things within the community, whether that means, you know, doing, working with the kids in the area. So we work with a ton of the sports teams. We work with the kids in the school. Um, we do fundraising events for the local community. We have business owners that whenever we do events outside of the gym, we try to make sure we give back to them. Uh, with the move, we made sure we used all of our members to like paint and, right. and use any vendor we possibly could within the house of our... Yeah. That's what it's all about, guys. Build a box of your dreams. You can have impact in the larger community and have fun while you're doing it. Yeah. So we're back. Chris is going to take Fern through a one-mile run. Is that what's <laughs> happening? I mean, I would love to. <laughs> I wouldn't. 20 miles. 20 miles. 20 miles. He was, I mean, he was a former regional athlete. So oh, so you know what we should, Yeah, we should. We should. You know what I'm going to do? You know how long ago that was? <laughs> no. I, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to coach you, and I'm going to show the difference of what a coach can do versus an athlete. And what we're going to do is we're going to do something on the air runner. I will tell you and not tell him, and we're going to see who wins just based upon coaching. Wait, do I get to win? No, no. I'm oh, going to. Oh, no, like but this. I don't want you to tank it on purpose. Like the spoiler like alert is whoever Chris coaches wins, <laughs> which will be me. Yeah, okay. We, We'll do that. All right, we'll do that. We'll definitely sure. do that afterwards. Yep. Yeah. So let's 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 talk about an example here and 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 have you really think about it. I mean, so you since we're talking about the clean, let's let's take the clean. And if if you're thinking about um, grace, thirty clean and jerks for time. What is preventing you from getting thirty seconds faster in grace? Uh, I mean, will, for me, just like my willpower. Um, <laughs> so it, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you two I, choices. It feels just, like it, lactic acid buildup where I cannot move at that pace anymore. See, for me, it's right. heart so rate it, and breathing. Right. So, but it's not the load. No. Correct. Not the right. Load. It's not your strength. It's that you're getting tired. So mm -hmm. if you were less tired, could you go faster? Yes. In theory, yes. Well, if you weren't breathing as hard, could you go faster? Yes. Of course. And if you weren't as accumulating this lactic acid, you could go faster. Mm -hmm. So what you're telling me is it's not your strength, your speed, your power, your force, your intensity. You're telling me that you're getting tired, meaning it's your recovery. So if you 
while doing clean and jerks could recover faster, meaning you're clearing that accumulation of lactic acid. Could you go faster? Well, of course you could. Yeah. Right. So you just told me now that's your limitation in the clean. Isn't so, that most people's limitation in most CrossFit work? I mean, other eventually, than when, when eventually, it's just strength. Yeah. Eventually it is. And so, but, but you have to break it out for an individual so they know what's preventing them from getting better. You have to help them. That's why you needed some help. Now you know and we all agree that that is your limitation. So what do we do to fix that? Do we focus on more high-intensity work? Do we focus on your one-rep clean strength? Or do we focus on the other side of the equation? Right. Your slow twitch, recovery, mm -hmm. aerobic fibers. Do we do that? Well, mm -hmm. of course we do. So then how do we do that? What we're going to do is we're going to do a, what we call a blend type of a workout where we're going to combine a very high-intensity clean into an active recovery clean. Mm -hmm. Think of it as a running sprint into a walk or a running sprint into a jog. And what you're going to do is let's say, I mean, let's take it, make it simple. I mean, we could take, a, you know, 135 pounds. Yep. What I want you to do is I want you to give me, you know, five repetitions, you know, and, and let's say no more than 15 seconds. I want you to put like, that barbell. Like touch and go, yeah. Fast, yep. high intensity, high force, fast twitch, produce lactic acid. Then for the remainder of that minute, I want you to pick up a PVC pipe and mimic the exact same movement pattern that you just used in that clean. But I want you to change the purpose. The purpose is go as slow as you want and I want you to recover. Mm -hmm. At the top of the minute, you're going to repeat that now for a total of five rounds, five minutes. Create fatigue, running sprint into clear fatigue. Your emphasis now is on the recovery side of the equation. Mm -hmm. And what I just got you to do was five minutes of unbroken cleans, zero rest, but I disguised it as recovery. The next workout that you do is what? Well, since you've already told me that your weakness is I just get tired, then I don't focus on more repetitions at 135. I don't change it from 135 to 145 because that wasn't your weakness. Mm -hmm. What I do is instead of a PPC pipe, I make you do it with a five-pound plate or maybe two five-pound like dumbbells. a training bar or something like that, 15-pound mm -hmm. training bar. And each time what we do is I take you from that, uh, uh, that an analogy of a running sprint into a walk. The next time, I'm going to make it more intense mm -hmm. by doing a jog and then slightly faster jog than an easy run. Essentially, what I want to do is keep moving the adaptation in the direction of the weakness. Got it. And so that's how you do it. You need to change and reprioritize. Otherwise, you're always going to do what Rich did. You're always going to be very fast in short time domains, but you go long, then you know what you're going to do? You're going to lean over, you're going to walk because your weakness is your inability to clear fatigue. And that's what you just told me. You'll never get better in your grace until you fix your recovery. Well, and it's most people, especially back in the day, Fern, would have said, I need to get stronger, stronger, stronger. So 135 feels lighter but you're absolutely right you can't and do you can't do everything well so, it didn't start feeling heavy until you got 20 reps in it was fine yeah. up until that point and then so you, other problems came up came about i mean and it is true that it's the same thing in 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 you know the running world that if you improve your maximum speed the truth is is that it makes every intensity that is easier than that or slower than that easier mm -hmm. so it's the same thing with strength i mean there's a reason why you know coaches love doing a you know, one rep or a three rep max thruster before Fran. Right. 
There's a reason right. for that. Yeah. So there is truth, but you don't have the luxury of being able to work on your your strength in the clean mm-hmm. and your recovery at the same time. You got to focus on the best opportunity. Well, I, this is this is really intriguing because I'm thinking about you know everybody like CrossFit affiliates are always battling. Their athletes want to do more. They want to do more. But this would be a, a really unique way to disguise more. Yes, oh, by yeah. calling it recovery. By and calling it recovery. And the fact is, is it's not recovery. Well, it's, it's, it's but stamina, it's all, but it's also going to well, yield on the back end. Is really what's important about this is like, hey, let's 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 target something very specific. Let's let's actually get in and like try to manipulate these pathways in recovery so that I can keep my 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 power curve as high as I can relative to my own intensity. But you, and you use the word recovery a lot, and I think people have a misinterpretation. Like we think recovery, like I'm laying on my norm attack, I'm chilling out. I'm where you're really like you just said. Saying stamina, I'm building stamina. Well, that's what you are doing initially. I mean, if you've never done, let's say that you did bench press. So you get on and you're doing, let's say, five reps of bench press at, you know, 135 and you need it done in, you know, 12 seconds. Rack it and then the remainder of that minute is with the PVC pipe. You're going to work on your push up. Mm-hmm. Well, if you alternate five rounds of that, you know, f- you know, 12 seconds of, of max rep bench press and then 48 of PVC, slowly, five rounds you've never done five minutes of unbroken push-ups before. It's going to turn into a stamina failure. Mm-hmm. You did and, that drill with us. Right. With the plate presses. Oh, man, you want to get a good pump. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's one of the things that you have to recognize is that it, it, it stamina is important. I mean, it's one of the main principles that you learn in the level one. And the problem that most athletes have is they don't do enough volume to force those slow-twitch fibers to recover while the other ones are doing the work. Mm-hmm. So a, a good example of that is, is that if you and I, if you and I go for a run, why, why yeah, why? because, because he's this, you know, the one that, he, no, he's, he's the narcissist. <laughs> he's narcissist. <laughs> now when it comes to running, I'm not narcissistic. I'm no, very we're aware of my, yeah. so you're, you're a good runner. You're no, a good runner. Right. So, but you are, a, you're a speed strength, power athlete. You're a sprinter. You can do a hundred meters in 11 seconds. You could I do your you to t- walk around me, pump me up. Right. This is like my hype guy. <laughs> right. You're no. fast, Jay. You're so. Good. But you come to me, and let's just say that you want to do this afternoon an hour-long run, and I say, well, say then that. let's pick an easy pace. And I, I say to you, I go, how about we pick a 10-minute you know, mile pace? And you'd be like, that's a joke. I mean, do you realize I could have done 111 seconds? And I'm like, let's just do it. And what's going to happen is you're going to end up, because you're a fast-twitch dominant athlete, meaning you have a higher percentage of fast twitch muscle fibers than slow. Well, I'm the opposite of you. So I've got about 85% slow twitch. So imagine when we start out on this hour long run to you, it's easy to me. It's relatively easy, right? I mean, you've got better top end speed, but we're also going to both recruit a very small percentage of slow twitch fibers to match up the amount of force in that intensity. So we get both of us a small amount. Well, what will happen is those fibers will fatigue and fail. And the brain's going to recruit another batch of slow twitch fibers. It's not going to give us fast twitch because it doesn't need that speed. It's slow. Those fatigue and fail. And essentially, if fatigue, fail, and recruit, fatigue, fail, recruit, fatigue, fail, and recruit, and eventually you come back around to the originally recruited slow twitch fibers. Because they've recovered at this point. Well, so now you're hoping that they do. But if you've never done enough volume to force them to recover, right. And that's what's going to happen. Now, the problem with you is 
you oh, have many problems. We're talking but, specifically <laughs> running right now. But you have fewer slow twitch fibers. So who's going to come around to the first recruited motor units first? No, first oh, you first will. Me, but they right. won't be. They won't ready. be recovered because you have fewer of them. And because you haven't done enough volume, you've never forced them to recover, meaning stamina. So how do you keep moving with me? You now have to recruit your fast twitch fibers. It's like the a backup fibers. plan. Well, now death is coming. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's not going to last. Yeah. Right. Now it's over for you. So what it means is, and, and for me, I can keep coming all the way around. And even if I haven't done enough volume because I have a higher percentage, mine have recovered. Elite marathon runners, elites, they run 150 miles in a week because they don't want 26.2 to be a stamina failure. You have to force, by doing volume, force those fibers to recover. And volume, in order for volume on the slow twitch side, you've got to put in time because it takes a long time for those fibers to get overloaded. So think about this. You're fast twitch, I'm slow twitch. So you want to do an hour-long run, then can you run with me? And the answer is, of course you cannot. You can't because you don't have the same physiology. Now, if you wanted to run an hour with me, what's going to happen is you got to remember it's slow twitch adaptation. So you'll see an immediately bump in your heart rate. You'll see an increase in your breathing rate. You'll see and feel an inability to continuously communicate. And now you're falling into that fast twitch muscle fiber recruitment. That's not the purpose of a long, easy effort. Mm -hmm. So you should stop, recover, allow more time, and then go again. That's why I always tell fast twitch dominant athletes, if you're focused on slow twitch aerobic development, then you know what? Walk whenever you want because the purpose is time. So if you wanted to do the 10-minute mile workout, that's exactly what you would do. Your other option is take a 12-minute mile pace and because now it's slower, it takes, it takes the same amount you of time. You can run longer. Right. So That's why what I'm telling you is athletes need to be aware of what category are they in and take this ownership piece. I, I, they're passing this responsibility onto a coach. Well, so that's a great point. So how, so how does one, because I know you've, you've done some stuff in the journal before. Yeah. And I believe you're referring, so correct me if I'm wrong, too. Um, you do a test where you take their mile time and you take their 400 meter time. And that will help them to establish like, hey, are you, do you need to focus more on the kind of like the longer duration yep. or the endurance stuff? Or do, hey, are you more need to be focused on fast twitch? Basically, That's are right. you faster, slow right. twitch, right? right? right. And, what, and what magnitude are you? Right. So that's, that's an important... When I came up with that, it was mostly to... Can you explain to somebody real quick so that sure. the viewers know what so we're what talking about? So what it's called is a, a fatigue factor. And the original um, concept came from a guy back in the 70s, a guy by the name of Pete Regal. And Pete Regal, he was contracted by Runner's World to take a look at um, record-setting running times and the distances that they, they ran. And he, what he was trying to find was a relationship between those distances and the results. And he found one. He found for every doubling of the distance, people's speed slowed by 6%, meaning as you went from a mile to two miles, it slowed 6%. Mm -hmm. Two miles to four miles, it slowed 6%. So that slope, that incline, was a 6% degradation. So what we call it like a coefficient of slowing. Right. So I mean, This is top-end athletes or is this just in general? Top-end okay. runners. Got it. Okay. Top-end runners. It. And this is specialists in the right. movement of running. Got it. So these were world record setting times. 
And it was a published article and it was very well known. And this was the beginning of these pacing calculators, meaning these calculators where you plug in a your 5K time and right. then it says, hey, what would be my predicted half marathon time based upon that? Right. And it would just take that that percentage number and spit out what you should be able to do. A lot of assumptions based upon that. Like right. you're a specialist, you've done the volume to be able to do a half marathon. So when I looked at that, I immediately started plugging in times like Kalipa can run a lap around the track in 63 seconds. And so I'm like, wonder what his, his mile should be. And it was sub five minutes. I'm like, that's never going to happen running two days a week. Like it just won't happen. And that was the problem is that there's nobody that has ever focused and studied on the recreational athlete, the athlete that runs for fitness, the athlete that wants to do variety. Only the margins. Yeah. Yeah. So that early on, I, I immediately realized I've got to collect my own information. I need to to have my own data. And I want to focus on this community, the recreational runner, the one that sits in the middle. I mean, I'm genetically, I was good at it, at the sport of triathlons because of... Oh, that's not really fair. You're world-class. Yeah, you came in second. Uh, it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah, but still, I mean, like, don't, but, just don't undersell yourself there. That's, that, you're like, <laughs> he's a legend. Like, like, like Jay, he's not world-class, right? In we my know mind. It, yeah, yeah, that's, right. <laughs> so the, I was genetically... Born, I had a predisposition to be great at long time domains. Were, you, was your, were your parents built the same way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a very competitive house. How many were siblings they, were you they have? endurance athletes as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. And how yep. many siblings do you have? I have two sisters and a brother. Oh, yeah. Are they as oh, fit yeah. as you? Or Oh, yeah. No, it's a fit house. It's a fit <laughs> house. I mean, for Father's Day, we do relays in the swimming pool. I mean, it's nothing but competitions. <laughs> Did you grow up eating healthy? I'll tell you a funny story. So this is Christmas morning once, and... What'd you get this year? What'd you get? Ice? No, I, I, I have everything I want anyway. <laughs> no, so I, so this was caught. It could have been, this could have been 15 years ago. And no, it was 10 years ago. And I, I had been, my mom has always practiced yoga. So she was born in 1937, uh, to give you an idea. Uh, she's still around? Oh, yeah. And she's wow, like, she's great. Yeah, no, it's incredible. It's like 100 and something. <laughs> she could still do, yeah, handstand hold for a minute against the wall. So, what? We, really? so listen to this. So I, I had been stealth training on my own. And I know my mom was good at a handstand hold. And I have an older sister who can do a free handstand for well over a minute. And so wow. I was like, and she's a swimmer. And I'm like, I'm going to train this. And I'm going to challenge them on Christmas. And I'm going to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get, ruin their Christmas. I'm gonna get the gold medal. <laughs> so what? I, what I do? Grinch himself. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and we're just you know before you know Christmas, you know the meal, and I'm all, hey mom, you want to do a handstand? Mom's eighty at this point. <laughs> yeah. Just for but so I don't care. <laughs> a win is a win. I challenge you. Yeah, a win's a win. I don't care who you are. If I could win, I'm winning. I never let my kids win. I beat them at every time I could. No gifts. And so I'm like, hey mom, you know I I. I you still doing your handstand? She's all, oh, yeah, no, I, yeah. And I'm like, you know, I've been doing a little bit with CrossFit. I, I, I'd love to, you know, do a one-on-one head-to-head, like see who can go the longest. My dad hears this and he's like, all right, clear the room. He goes and gets the stopwatch and he's like, and he's like, okay, what are the rules? You know, and, and next thing you know, like my this. three nephews jump up and my, you know, my niece and then my daughter, my son jumps up and it's like, down this hallway, there's like, there's like 12 of us kicking up on the wall. It's a great Christmas. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome because I didn't let anybody know. Like, I was stealth training this thing. I'm going, I'm going gold, and I knew it. I had it. 
My sister then jumps in, which had me a little worried. Like, I, you know, Silver would be fine, you know. <laughs> Immediately. But I would love to take her right? down. So I get lined up right next to, you know, my sister, Jennifer, and, and uh, my dad, like, all official, right? Three, two, one. We all kick up. All fair. A couple people fell right away because they were, like, four and five years old, right? <laughs> Still, I took them out. So I know I'm not getting like, stuck in there, trash. Loser. Yeah. yeah, I know I'm not getting 11th and 12th. <laughs> I hear a minute go by and at 115 I'm getting shaky and I'm like and there's still like eight people up at 115 and they've never done this before. This is a Hinshaw family Christmas. <laughs> well, I mean three of them went to Olympic trials. You know, I mean they're not your standard. Yeah, you know, not your so, not your average family. So, so eight of you are left a minute 15 so in. So like two or three just go down right away, you know, and I'm like and 130 gets passed and I'm like, "Uh-oh." And I can't tell now of who fell. But I know my sister's up and I could see my mom over there and I'm like, and I'm like, and I hear, and I can't do anymore and I fall at 135. And I'm looking and I'm like, oh my God. And then I shake in my head and the next thing you know, it was like, okay, there was no one there. My dad comes up and he's like, you didn't even podium. And I'm like, <laughs> what? You didn't even podium. You're not welcome at Christmas next <laughs> year. Son, I disown you. <laughs> <laughs> she's about you to be 100 you're going to lose, lose your mother she's 90 she didn't beat you my mom got second she oh, went like sister 150 won? yeah and his sister dropped Who's third? my mom my other nephew who oh. never did it before in his life so where's the moral of this story what's yeah. going on I needed to train more <laughs> no but it's a very competitive house that's how it was on that's everything fantastic. that we did and and but because of that um it gave opportunity. Like I wasn't the most athletic person, you know, I was very late in developing and because my, my, my parents were connected to health and fitness, they always wanted us to do something. And, you know, I was skinny kid in Northern California. They don't heat the pools in Northern California back in, you know, that, you know, the seventies. And, um, it was, it was just brutal. It was freezing cold. And so I'm like, I got to quit. Like I got it. And they're like, okay, you can try, you know, this other sport and this other sport. And, I just wasn't good at anything, and it was just a bummer. But because they were connected into health and fitness, they were receptive, and they were knowledgeable. And, I, I, you know, as a parent now, I never pushed health and fitness on my kids. I led by example, but if they wanted to do something, then I would be encouraging to whatever they wanted to do. Right. It wasn't like, like— You're going to force it. You're just going to make it part of the environment. Yeah, yeah, and the thing, like, selfishly, did I want them? Like, I had my son, I did a—I I had a— um, I had a, like an endurance class part of NorCal CrossFit um, and we had like 80 people in this group and I brought my son and he was 12 and I said, I'll pay you 20 bucks if you could break six minutes in a mile. He didn't even know what six minutes was, right? He just knew he had to run four laps plus nine meters around the track. And I said, I'll give you 20 bucks if you can break six minutes. And he had skater shoes on and he, it was like, okay. He ran 554 and he was 12. Never ran before ever. And so selfishly, it was like, I wish because I, he, when you're born with a genetic predisposition, it's like you have superpowers, you have an advantage over other people. Right. And, but he didn't want to do it. You know, he wanted to play, he's a tall kid. He wanted to play volleyball. He wanted to play soccer. Good for him. Mm -hmm. And so like when I was growing up, I wasn't good at things, but you know, when I saw the Ironman on television the first time, you know, it was, it was, it was, I was able to talk to my dad about it. And, you know, my dad was very intimidating, um, you know, it, 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 yeah, it was his way and that was the way. Um, but 
it, he was still approachable. And I'll never forget watching the Iron Man that day, you know, back in the 80s. And, and having not accomplished anything physically, I thought, man, if I could finish that, no one could ever take that away. And what a boost that would be for my confidence. Because, you know, at that age, at 17, 18 years old, you don't have that confidence. And I, watching it with my dad, I'm like, I brought it up to him. And, and you know, he just summarized just to make sure we were watching the same thing, the distances. And I said, no, 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 I, I, I would really like to give it a try. And he looks over and he's all, let's make it happen. That's cool. And, and that's what you want. That's what you want. I wanted to, him to, to know I'm about to take a risk and I just wanted to know that he's got me. Right. That's it. And that's what coaches should do is that we're there to help you take a risk, to do something that's seemingly impossible. There is no difference. There's no difference in the work that I've done and I've done a ton of work with kids. The insecurities that kids have, teens, and what middle-aged adults have, they're the same. Life has beaten you down by the time. And it's like, you know, you didn't turn that project in on time. Mm -hmm. The quality of it wasn't great. Your bosses, you know, or your deadlines. That beats everyone down. And you know where it surfaces is? In your health and fitness. And you see it all the time. And if you can improve an individual's confidence in the gym, it reflects in their life. It's the same thing that what happened to me as a teen. When I did Kona, and I did it pretty well, it changed my trajectory as an individual. And that's what people need to find out. That's ultimately what a coach's job is, is to use that time that that individual is in the gym and restore that confidence so they go out and they can change their trajectory. That's what we do. Because knowledge, I think, creates that confidence. But after confidence, that's where the happiness sits. I told you guys, you're going to learn so much. What a legend. What an amazing human being. Thank you, Chris, for sitting down with us again. This coming Friday, you're going to see part one of the Dropping In series featuring Chris Hinchon. This is going to be a little different than the standard Dropping Ins because Chris took Katie, Fern, and myself through a bunch of different drills that you're going to be able to actually learn from. If you've never been to the Aerobic Capacity course, which I highly recommend, it's one of my favorites out there, you should check that out. He's touring the country. Go look and find out when he's coming to a city or state near you but you're going to learn so much from this dropping in an episode so much so that we have a two-parter so this friday you're going to get part one of dropping in with chris Hinshaw, and then next monday you get part two of the podcast and then coming up later that week part two of dropping in well it's crossfit games week we hope you've enjoyed this episode and we look forward to hearing all about your crossfit games experience whether you're watching from home or at the venue if you're there Look for us. We'd love to say hi. We'd love to give you a high five. Take a quick picture. If you're watching from home, like every year, tag us in those pictures. If you see Fern and I next to each other, if you see one of us judging, let us know. Give us an Ackerman Awareness shout out or a Fine Fern shout out. We love seeing those things. So again, thank you all for listening. Give us a follow over on our YouTube channel. Give us some feedback in the comments. We appreciate it. Have a great rest of your week. It's the CrossFit Games Week. Let's have some fun. See you on Dropping In with part one of Chris Hinshaw this Friday. We want to-
want to thank our partner and sponsor, O2. If you're an affiliate owner and have questions about carrying O2 in your facility or interested in a free refrigerator, go to wholesale.drinko2.com forward slash pages forward slash best dash hour dash offer for more details. We appreciate you choosing to have us help you in your passion for coaching and affiliate ownership. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach out to us on any social media platforms, or you can visit www.besthouroftheirday.com to book a call. If you found this episode helpful for you, please share it so that we can help other coaches and affiliate owners to help build a bigger and stronger CrossFit community.